I have my hand lifted because I know every time God speaks to me as well and he works on me. So I just want to say thank you again for being this morning. And if you could open up your Bibles to Matthew 13, 1, 9. Matthew 13, verse 1 through 9. We're going to do a little bit of reading this morning. Hopefully that's okay. I learned from a, a pastor uh, a while ago that if you read a lot of scripture and your preaching's not so good, well, then you let a, read a lot of scripture, and that's good because the Bible is, you know, the, the, the life that we need every day. Praise God. If you have it, just signal by saying amen. Amen. The Word of God says in Matthew 13, 1, the same day, and I'm reading, by the way, uh, King James Version. The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside, and a great multitudes were gathered together unto him so that he went into the ship and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore, and he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. Everybody say, to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside. Say, wayside. And the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon the stony places. Say, stony places. Where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. And the sun was up, and they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among the thorns, say thorns. And the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into, the to, into good ground, say good ground, and brought forth fruit. Some hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Let's pray so that God can speak to us this morning. Lord, I want to thank you, Jesus, for the ability, Lord, to deliver your word this morning. God, speak to my heart, Jesus. Clear my mind, Lord. Let me receive your word, Jesus. Let me sow them deep into my heart, God, that they develop roots, Jesus, that they're able to transform my life, Jesus, that I may become a better Lord, a better Christian this morning, that I may be able to inspire somebody this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to give honor to my pastor, uh, Pastor Phil Locke, for giving me the opportunity to speak to you this morning. And I want to give you the honor for listening and for receiving the word. Amen. Everything that I'll say this morning, it's not with ill intent. It's not with an ability to hurt anybody. On the contrary, I have the hope that this morning God's word is going to edify us and build us up. Amen? Strong foundations. I want to speak to you today from this message, planting hope. Planting hope. How many of us every day hope for a fresh start? Hope for the mercy of God. Hope for his grace. Hope for his love. Amen. In a world where we're so troubled by the things we see around us, 
where the economy is, I mean, you ask economists today, and they tell you, we don't know what's going to happen. They, they, they try to make their guesses. They input the algorithms. They do all their fancy things, but they still don't know. I'm glad I can count on somebody who does know what can happen in the future. I'm, I'm glad I can count on somebody where my future is secure, where my future is founded upon a rock, where I know that if I believe in Jesus and I obey his commandments and I obey his word, I have a fortitude in heaven. Amen. Amen. So I, at first, let's start to look at the parable of the sower. This is a very popular parable, a very popular teaching moment for Jesus, uh, a teaching moment for his disciples, and a teaching moment for the audience, for the people or the multitudes that have heard this. But I, I really want to take a look at it in perhaps a different way, and hopefully we can together understand something and grow from it. Amen. So the parable of the sower, um, let's look at the significance, not just of the seeds, but because we, we oftentimes, we just read that some of them fell, you know, on stony ground, some of them fell on thorns, and some of them fell on good ground. And we can look at that and say, well, <clears throat> you know, am I the type of seed or am I the type of soil that's stony ground and that has no fertile soil? Am I dry spiritually? Am I that kind of person? And it can make you reflect and, and self-reflect and, and take a look at yourself in the mirror and utilize the word. And that's great. You, many teachings, many preachings come from that. I've learned so many things from that. And you can look at yourself and say, well, I want to be the good soil. And how can I be good soil? Well, good soil takes oxygen. Good soil takes water. Good soil takes tilling. Good soil takes uh, pulling weeds out. Good soil takes hard work. So to be good soil, it takes prayer, it takes reading the Bible, it takes listening to preaching, it takes following your pastor's um, uh, direction and vision, it takes hard work, right? But today I want to take a look at the perspective of the sower. Oftentimes we just take a look and reflect on what it would be like to be that seed or what it would be like to be the soil. But today I want to take a look at the perspective of the sower. What can we learn from the sower? Amen. So if we take a look at Mark, Mark 4, 14 through 20, it says this, The sower soweth the word, and these are they by the wayside, where the word is sown. But when they, had heard, when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and take away the word. So here we have an explanation of the parable, right? And taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are likewise which are sown unto stony ground, who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves. So we can compare ourselves to being the first, right? Those that receive the word and Satan immediately comes in and starts to whisper something in your ear. And Satan doesn't present himself in a very uh, scary or mean way. As a matter of fact, it's the complete opposite. He presents himself in the most attractive way to you, in the most appealing way to you. To you, it could be a friend. To you, it could be some, you know, your job. It could be something you enjoy, your hobby. And the moment you receive God's word, the enemy comes in and says, hey, uh, you heard that, but listen to me, what I have to say. 
And if you pay attention to that and you're not rooted in Christ and you don't have that good soil we talked about, you could be easily swayed. And I'm not saying that's happening here. I'm just giving you an example. And the other one, likewise, which are sown on stony ground, which, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it. So there are people who like to receive the word, and they're happy to be preached to, and they're happy to receive the good faith, and they're happy to, to receive it, and they say, I'm glad, I feel good. But then what happens? They have no root in themselves. So there comes a tough time, there comes a tribulation, there comes a storm, there comes a moment of grief, there comes a, something that's painful to them, and all of a sudden they forget about the word. They forget about that the Bible says that he who is in us, what? We can be victorious. Right? So we can start to compare ourselves. Have no root in themselves, so endure but for a time. Afterwards, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. So you could, you could walk up to somebody and say, you know, hey, how's it going? And all of a sudden, they're already upset. Because why? Because you didn't say to them hello this morning. You said to them later. Or because it's been five days that you didn't say hello. Or because you didn't call them. Whatever the reason may be, they have their feelings on their sleeve. It's a, it's a saying, right? But they're offended. They're not understanding that, look, we sometimes have busy lives. Sometimes it happens. It's not because we don't care about each other. It just happens. And these are they which are sown amongst thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things, entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. So we could take a look at this and say, well, these are the folks that are in church but are in the world. They have one foot in the church and one foot in the world. They like hearing the word, but they also like <laughs> the world. They like enjoying these things. They have thorns in their lives. They haven't been pruned yet. They're not receiving that word. They're just, they like to hear the good stuff, but the things of this world choke out the word that you are receiving. And these are they which are sown on good ground. And immediately we're like, well, this sounds kind of like what I want to do. Good ground. Has anybody told you, hey, you did a good job? And immediately you're like, yeah, I did do a good job. You're right. Good ground. Such hear the word. You listen to the word. That's an important step. You receive it and bring forth fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100. So not only did you hear the word, did you receive the word, you were excited about it, but you began to bear fruit. There is a sign that you are in that good soil. So we can, we've heard many preachings go through that, right? And there's a very concise, very condensed version. And you can pick apart, not pick apart, but you can go in depth on each of the verses, and each of them can become a lesson. But as I mentioned earlier, I want to talk about that sower, that faithful sower. Because we looked at the soil, but I can't help but notice that the one who was doing the sowing, even though some of those fell on stony grounds, he said, you know what? I'm going to keep on sowing. And he went to the next batch of field and said, you know what? There's thorns in here, but I'm going to keep on sowing. And he went to the next field and says, 
This is good ground. I'm going to sow here as well. I'm telling you this morning, there is a world out there trying to discourage you from sowing out there. Don't worry about the stony ground. Don't worry about the thorns. You keep on sowing the good word of God and there will be seeds that bear fruit. I'm telling you this morning, there is a spirit of oppression out there who's telling you to be quiet. And I'm telling you, you get louder. You preach the word of God. You stand somewhere and tell them, you need to hear this. Do it with love. Why? Because there will be seeds that bear fruit. There will be people who receive it and multiply 60-fold and multiply 100-fold. It only takes one of those people. Don't worry about the thorns. Don't worry about the soil that's stony. God will work on those people. You just need to keep on sowing. Amen. A faithful sower. We want to be good and faithful servants. Faithful. That's a loaded word. Faithful. In times of tribulation, faithful. In good times, faithful. At all times, faithful. The word faithful has, has no stop. You just keep going. Amen. In the moments that you feel alone, you're faithful. God's not. God doesn't leave you alone. There is no despair. You continue to do that. And I'm telling you that even there's an oppression out there, sometimes that oppression, you feel it in here from other people that tell you, hey, don't speak what you need to speak. You go right on and speak it. It's God's word. If you're giving God's word, you speak it. Don't hold back. Don't have fear. God is with you. Amen. But it requires to be faithful. There's a couple of characteristics and attributes that come together. One of them, you're not going to like this one because I didn't like it, is obedience. So let's go look at Isaiah 55, 10. It says, for as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and make it bring forth a bud, that it may give seed to the sower. Didn't I just tell you? God's going to take care of the watering. God's going to take care of making the soil good. You, the sower, just got to sow, right? We just read that. That it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the, in the thing whereto I sent it. It's the word of God prospering, delivering, breaking through. But you have to sow. There's another attribute and characteristic, and that's generosity. Some of us can really align with that one. That one feels easy to align to, right? Corinthians, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 says this. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap so also bountifully. Sometimes we think generosity just means giving alms to the people that are in need. 
coming to church on serve day. And I'm not discouraging from that. By all means, I'm encouraging. You keep on doing that. But generosity, when you have something so good that you need to give to others, just like we give monetary donations, because that's something that's of value to them. That's something that is important to them. That's something that they need in their lives to live in this world, to pay for their rent, to pay for their food, to pay for their car. They need that, right? So we give donations. We see that as generosity. But I'm telling you here, there is yet a greater generosity cause that you can do. The word of God can give life. If you are not sharing the word of God, you're falling short of generosity. I'm sorry. But the word of God can bring life into somebody, can bring somebody up, can edify somebody, can transform somebody. Why wouldn't you want to share that? Why wouldn't you want to tell somebody those good news? Why wouldn't you want to encourage somebody? Generosity just doesn't mean helping somebody else physically. Yes, Continue to do that. But deliver that word. Man, when you're helping somebody, Brother Galan, I don't mean to put you on the spot. But man, do I admire when you continue to help people and you speak to them at the same time. You kind of nudge them in the right direction. And you tell them. You share testimony after testimony how you've helped somebody. And you continue to speak to them. You're in a sounding the alarm. You're giving them the good news. I'm telling you this morning, keep on doing that. Keep on being generous with the word of God. There's plenty of it. You can continue to give and continue to give and continue to give. There's an abundance of God's word. Amen. You will never be broke giving God's word away. I'm telling you. You can continue to give it away. You can go on a shirt, right, sister? You'll never go broke giving God's word away. We need obedience. We need generosity. And one of the things that, to me, has hit the hardest is persistence. Persistence in a sower. That's important. Galatians 6, 9 says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap. It's the word of God. It's not saying, uh, you know what, I don't know. No, it's saying you shall. You shall. If, hang on, if we faint not. You can't have one without the other. If you faint, it's not going to happen. If you're not persistent, you're not going to finish the race. Bishop talked to us about the race Sunday ago. You got to finish the race. If we faint not, so it's a theory, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a formula, simple. If we don't faint, in due season, we will reap. I want to give you an illustration that I came across, and, and many of you have probably heard this, and that's the parable of the Chinese bamboo. Lift hands, how, many, how many have heard the, the parable of the Chinese bamboo? So the parable of the Chinese bamboo is if you get a Chinese bamboo seed and you plant it, first of all, I didn't know this, but they say that's a terrible way to grow a bamboo tree, put a seed down in the floor. Because most of those seeds are not, they don't germinate properly. They, they need a lot of care. They need a lot of attention. And in a moment, you'll see, you're like, yep, wouldn't do that. But if you take a bamboo Chinese seed that's fertile, that's good, 
and you plant it in the ground, you have to water it for not one year before you see the seedling sprout from the ground. Not for two years. You have to water it daily. I'm not talking about you just plant it and walk away and I'll see you later and it'll be there. You have to water it. You have to till the soil around it because it needs very clean soil, good oxygenated soil. For not a year, for not two years, but for five years, you have to take care of that seedling. You have to water that seedling every day, sometimes twice a day, depending on how, how dry it is. Hear me. I'm, I'm telling you something this morning. Sometimes you need to water it twice a day. Every day for five years. Can you imagine the sower that planted that bamboo seed? What kind of persistence they have when they realize they're not going to see the action, their fruits. They're not going to reap their reward until five years down the road. What kind of faith have they deposited into that seed to say, five years down the road, I'm going to see this seed sprout into something. It takes something. And then we're talking about natural things here. We're talking about the way God designed nature, that it is giving us lessons through here. You plant it. You wait five years. You water every day. You walk by it, and you're like, maybe today. Nope. Maybe tomorrow. Nope. Next year, five years. But let me tell you something. On that fifth year, you're watering it. All of a sudden, you wake up the next morning and you see a sprout, three to four inches. Within 24 hours, it'll grow 49 inches. Within six weeks, it can be as 90 feet tall. So the question is, did that bamboo tree grow in six weeks? I'm telling you, no. That bamboo started growing all the way back to when the sower planted it. You may not see the results of your labor. You may not see the results of the plants that you're, that you're, so, that you're putting in the ground, the seeds that you're throwing, the word that you're delivering until down the road. But if you're not persistent, if you're not obedient, if you're not faithful and you forget and you forgive, you're not going to see the fruit of the labor that God has given you. It is a promise. It is just a formula. It's something that you have to continue to do. But many times that parable of the Chinese bamboo, and I researched it. I'm like, that cannot be the most efficient way to plant bamboos. I see bamboos everywhere. There's no way someone planted it and waited five years. But if you do it with a seed, that's the way you have to do it. But here's the cool part. Here's the part where most of the times that story ends. So I decided to say, Let, let's just analyze this. Because all that hard work, there is more fruit. The Bible says it can multiply 30 and 60 and 100 fold. How is that possible? Well, that one seed that you planted, the reason bamboo trees are so popular is because, or, or the way they're so effective is they are a colony plant. They are a con colony plant. You're going to make this connection without me. I know. You ready? One of those seedlings, on that fifth year, all of a sudden, the following week, it produces another sprout. 
it didn't take five years anymore. It took a week. And then in three weeks, there's another sprout. And all of a sudden, that one seedling has an entire colony within three years. And I'm talking about a field full of bamboo trees. Are you hearing what I'm telling you this morning? That effort that you put in there when the word of God says it will multiply. He shows us in nature. One person can come preach to a people. And that person can wait and hear and work. And all of a sudden they say, okay, yeah, I got to make changes. Okay, I understand you're preaching to me. And it could take five years for that one person to all of a sudden say, okay, I get it. Baptize me in the name of Jesus. All of a sudden they're baptized. They receive the fill of the Holy Ghost. Man, then all of a sudden they get on an altar and they start preaching. And all of a sudden that one person starts impacting hundreds. I'm telling you, we're a colony. We're a people of God. When we start sowing and we do it faithfully and we do it persistently and we do it with obedience, it will multiply. My dad, he planted corn in Mexico when we lived there. And I, I, I asked him, I said, I was researching this stuff, and I said, how does corn grow? And, you know, the, how, did, how many uh, corn cobs do you get per stock? You know, and does that somebody know? Take a guess. Seven? He said three per plant. And that's in Mexico. Maybe they have bad corn over there. But he says it takes three per stock. And the way he did it in Mexico, he had a little pouch. They called it a morral. And a bunch of seeds in there. And he had a stick. And he would poke a hole, drop a seed. Poke a hole, drop a seed. Poke a hole, drop a seed. That man, my dad, did that all day. Every day, every week, until the entire field was planted. His father didn't have to force him to do it. His father didn't have to beg him to do it. All his father had to tell him is if you go out there, son, and first you clear the field, and you take these corns or the, the little um, kernels, and you put a hole in the ground, and you, and you sow them, and you finish that field. In about six to nine months, you'll have a field full of corn. And you'll be able to take that corn, and you'll be able to sell it and feed your family. And you'll be able to build a house, and you'll be able to build a future. His father didn't have to force him. I'm telling you this morning, our Heavenly Father doesn't have to force us to do this. You either want to do it because you love God's Word, and because you love Jesus... Or you don't. But I'm here encouraging you that what you are planting out in this world, filled with despair, filled with negative information, filled with atrocities, you are planting hope. You are planting an ability for somebody to come through those doors. No one's forcing you to do that. No one's going to follow you. You have to have the vision for what your word can do. And the beautiful thing is it's not even your word. It's God's word filled with power, anointed word that is still performing miracles today. You want to ask about miracles? You've seen our daughter, baby Evelyn. 
She's traveling with mom today. She's in New Jersey with her family. Did those family, or you don't think they're impacted by this little girl? I'll tell you what, every opportunity my wife gets, she's telling them, this is a miracle of God. This is God's doing. This is what you do, and this is what happens when you live for God. God will still back you up. Am I telling you that the seed that somebody planted a long time ago and my family is now impacting others? I'll tell you what, it's multiplying fold. 30, 60, or 100. So I'd like to encourage you this morning. If we turn to Galatians, well, we are in Galatians 6. Uh, let's go to Galatians 6, 9. Thank you, sister. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap. Verse 10 says, make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert, and be healed. The word of God, I'm encouraging this morning, the word of God has a healing power. The word of God has a lifting up the dead kind of power. The word of God has transformational power. The word of God can continue to give because it's alive today as it was yesterday and the day that it was penned or inked into a scroll. You can read it in English, you can read it in Spanish, or you can read it in Chinese. The word of God is still the word of God. Amen. So in conclusion, musicians, if you'd like to join me this morning. Sometimes your word is going to fall on deaf ears. Sometimes you're going to have shallow response. I, I shared with my wife, um, as I share often things, um, that when I started in the youth ministry, and this was in the previous church, the pastor had asked me, he said, hey, help us with the youth ministry. And uh, you know, get, it ex get people excited, he said. Get people excited. And I was like, I'm a pretty dynamic guy. I think I can get people excited. I didn't have the revelation that, you know, I appreciate having today and <laughs> would have, have not had such a tough time perhaps. But I thought I had to get people excited. So I, I had to dangle things in front of them, like, hey, we're going to have this, and it's going to be this exciting, and we're going to have soccer, and it's going to be faithful soccer, and all these things, right? I, get people excited. And they weren't excited. Like three or four people would show up the first Saturday. I'm like, what is this? Discouragement. Your word is going to fall short because it's your word. We're imperfect. I'm imperfect. I, I may say a word that you're like, why did you say that? I'm imperfect. I'm sorry. Your word is going to fall short. You don't have to get people excited. The word of God, just deliver God's word. It's a simple message. You deliver the word, deliver the salvation plan, God will get people excited. You remember the first time that you, it clicked in your head. It was like a light bulb went off and you're like, how come nobody explained it to me this way? Like immediately it just hit you. I remember 
And I'm like, Mom, what have we been doing for the past 10 years? We're going to church. Nobody's telling us it should be in Jesus' name. So simple. But it was God. We heard that preaching probably 10 times before. We didn't get it. But the moment God said, son, this is it, boom, it'll hit you. God's word will excite you. God's word will pe get people excited. And God's word will get people out to serve day. God's word will get people out to help others. God's word, his word will lift the entire church. But it's God's word. It's not our efforts. It's not our strength. We will fall very short. Very short. We are no comparison to what God did. Why would I want to do all the work? God, man, you do it. And he does. He does. And then in closing, I said this already twice. The third time's the luck, the third time's the charm. Believe me. There are worldly distractions out there. And we, we can't ignore them. We just can't. There will be more. There will be more because that is the enemy's powerful tool, distraction, distraction. All he has to do is distract you. Think back to that Chinese bamboo plant. Had that farmer, that sower, had he on year three and a half, every day, right, watering the plant, watering the plant, watering the Every day. But on year three and a half, he would have been like, you know what? I think today I'm going to take the day off. Today I'm just going to enjoy myself. And he got distracted because somebody called him out to do whatever. He forgot to water it. And that was the day that seed was looking for that water, was looking for that nutrition. That was the day that that water was like, it was here yesterday. Where is it today? It was here the day before. Where is it today? Where is that water? But it was gone. It's too late. If you're distracted, you may lose on the most important thing God has set before your life. You may lose on a blessing so powerful. And I'm not talking monetary blessing. I'm talking about changing people's life kind of blessing. That's the kind of blessing I want to see in people's lives. I Finances are great. Have beautiful things. Okay. Bring souls to Christ is the great endeavor that God has placed us on this earth. We are to be the salt of the earth. We are to be the light of the earth. God didn't bring us to be accountants or to be financial brokers. God brought us to be people who can share his word. That is a, that is a skill set that anybody of us can do. That is something that you can pick up a Bible and just recite. Matthew 28, 19 says, Go ye, therefore, and teach all the nations. Teach all the nations. Verse 20 says, Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you all the way. I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Let's stand up tonight or this morning. Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, we magnify you this morning. 
Hallelujah. I believe God's speaking to us. I've never felt such conviction to just continue to preach to people out there. They need hope. And that hope is with our Jesus Christ. Thank you for being here this morning as we transition into our prayer and our Sunday worship service. Join us then. Amen. Thank you, God.